Welcome to Connecting the Docs, a podcast from the State Archives of North Carolina, where archivists connect archival materials to fascinating and true stories from the past. The theme of season two is Unprocessed, where each week we deliver rare and often overlooked topics related to North Carolina's storied history. Now here's your host, John Horan. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, John Horan, and I've got two very special guests on today. My colleagues, Van Evans. He's the audio visual materials archivist. You want to just say hi? Hi, everyone. And Ian Dunn, the processing archivist. Hello, everyone. All right. And we are here to talk about the Albert Barden collection. Is that right? Sounds great. All right. Yeah, so who is Albert Barden? Albert Barden uh, was originally from England in a small town called Tunbridge Wells. I think it was southeast of London. He and his family immigrated to the U.S. when he was about 19. And by 1908, the family had settled in Raleigh, and they pretty quickly gained employment with Morton Tyree Studio. His dad was also a photographer. He's listed in city directories as being a retoucher, and Albert as a printer. Only about two years later, Albert becomes the manager of Ellington Studio, which is on Fayetteville Street, eventually becoming the sole proprietor of Ellington Studios, um, and then basically turning that into his own studio, operating, operating it under his own name. And so that's who he is. And it sounds like he, him and his dad, there's a, there's a lot of, a lot of time span in which they're they're doing work. So what's, what's the, what is, when is he working? Uh, Well, he, he worked up until his death in 1953. Um, So he was, he was pretty active the entire time. And what's so interesting about this particular collection? The collection is unique in its scope and its size. It's, it's a very large collection. It it consists of over 15,000 individual images and the subject matter is very is very varied. Everything from insurance photos of wrecked cars to formal portraiture and architecture shots. It's a great resource for the built environment of Raleigh. So it's it's a really wonderful collection. Fifteen thousand photographs, and it sounds like everything. He he didn't turn anything down. It doesn't seem like it. He was uh he was very skilled technically in his composition, but he really wasn't above shooting anything that would pay him money. A, a commercial photographer through and through, for sure. Yeah, so he would he would he would do the art, but he would also get paid on on, on what he did as well. Sure. What what else about this collection is unique? The Barden collection is is unique too from from the standpoint of our of, of the archives and our efforts to really begin actively collecting photography from outside of state government. So prior to World War II, there were certainly government offices, state government offices in North Carolina that were using photographers uh, that were employed by the department, or in some cases, maybe contract photographers to document some of the the goings on of of state government. But really in the World War II era, uh, there was a a member of the the North Carolina Historical Commission named Clarence Griffin, who is the editor of the Forest of a Forest City, North Carolina newspaper, and Griffin recognized that uh, photography as a documentary resource was a really important tool that that we needed to go and collect, and not only collect it from state government uh, offices, 
And so it was at his recommendation, really, that um, the, the Department of Archives and History tried to begin looking out to newspapers, and in this case, commercial photographers like Albert Barden. And Barden's collection is the first significant commercial uh, photographer collection that Archives and History received. And it came to us in a, in a really unique way. Um, in June, on June 6th of 1950, Barden sat down uh, at his office on Fayetteville Street and on a piece of stationery, he hand wrote his will uh, that's literally four lines and reads, it says, my will, I leave to the North Carolina State Department of Archives and History all my negatives to my brother George H. Barden, everything else I possess, and he signs his name. And so that that kind of really captured in a nutshell the significance that he, he understood the significance of his collection and his work, and he wanted it to be preserved for, for posterity. And when he died in 1953, those photo negatives came to the archives and, and Department of Archives and History. At the time, they were stored with the, the Museum of History um, before they eventually came to the archives. How long were they in the Museum of History? Sure. So they, they came to the museum in 1953, and they stayed there until uh, the mid-1970s. I believe it was in 1974 when the the formal transfer of the, the Barden negatives came to the archives. A lot of work had been undertaken kind of in the meantime from the museum. And then, and then since then, uh, the archives has, has done even, even more work to catalog these and, and make, them, make them more widely available. Is that something that's sort of common to have uh, uh, somebody will a collection to the archives? No. In fact, it's the, to my knowledge, it is the only photo collection that we have that was that was willed to us. In most cases, a, a photographer may still be be living and make arrangements for it to be deposited sometimes after their their death. But this, and, and to my knowledge, this is the only one that was willed to us. That's fascinating. And so, what was the state of the of the negatives, the collection, everything when you when you first took it in from the museum? Sure. So the museum staff uh, had done some work on the the collection from the time they got it in 1953 really beginning I think in the in the mid to, to late 1960s where they they tried to identify broken glass plate negatives also deteriorating negatives that needed to be copied so that they could be preserved and so they they had performed some of that work Obviously, Ann and I weren't weren't here in the mid 1970s when they when they when they came to us. But from based on what I can gather, the the collection when it got here, there was a renewed emphasis and focus on it. That meant identifying nitrate negatives, deteriorating acetate negatives, and then even other glass negatives that had had broken in the time period from where they had been at the museum to, to their arrival at the, at the archives. In 1978-79, the state applied for and received a grant uh, from the National Historical Publication and Records Commission for about $15,000 to copy 
the material that was in, in, in bad in bad shape. And so all of that money was used and it, it still did not cover uh, the entire copying. Um, and then at a, at a later date, I think in the, in the 80s, the, the remainder was copied by the Alderman Company, which was a major commercial photography studio in High Point, North Carolina, so that, so that these could be preserved and, and used for future generations. Ian can talk about some of the more recent work since he did a lot of it. Yeah, I, I did some of it, and um, our former colleague uh, Carl Larson did a lot of identification of the Raleigh locations. He had a massive amount of knowledge on Raleigh history. In 2017, I um, undertook a massive rehousing project uh, because all of the negatives were in the envelopes that they came to us from the museum in from 1953. They were all in, in our cold storage in the basement. So uh, I uh, went through each one of them and rehoused them and uh, put them in new boxes. And in the process, I found a series, I guess you could call it a series at the end, that had previously been unidentified. Most of it, a lot of it was unhoused, which had a lot of great stuff in it. And I scanned all of that and, and rehoused that as well. So you you take on a preservation of of these of these negatives by rehousing them and making sure that everything is up to up to standard. Were, were there other repair projects that that have been undertaken recently? There were a number of broken plates, important plates that had been broken either during his time at the archives or before we got them. They are very fragile, as you can imagine. And our conservation lab made custom sink mats for all the broken negatives, which is a feat in itself. Yeah, and so these custom mats, what, 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 what is it? How does it? How does it work? How do, How does it fix the problem, or does it fix the problem? Well, it doesn't mend the plate, unfortunately, uh, but uh, the plates can be put back together um, on a scanner bed and scanned. But as far as the sink mats themselves. The pieces themselves are separated by little tiny pieces of foam core, so they're all it's all spread out on a mat and separated by little pieces, so that the the pieces don't rub against each other. Sure, and that I'm sure helps long term preservation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so beyond that, that we're, we've talked about sort of this is a wide collection that has a tremendous amount of application. And so presumably researchers use it, right? Yeah, it's one of our um, most used collections. Reference for building projects um, historic, on historic properties. Business owners use the photographs in the collection to decorate offices or businesses. Or, you know, genealogical research, all kinds of uses. One of the reasons that Barden recognized the significance of it and wanted it deposited with archives and history is that he had performed so much work for the Department of Archives and History, but also other government organizations like the Board of Public Health, the Department of Revenue. And so the Department of Revenue is fresh in my mind because they have, a, I think, a, a, an anniversary coming up this year or, or next. And so we've provided them with a, a lot of photographs to use for, for that project. The Art Museum, he performed work for the North Carolina Art Society, which is the predecessor of the, the North Carolina Art Museum. And that that museum also had recently 
had an exhibit earlier in the year to tell sort of the history and the story of, of how a southern state made the decision to invest a lot of resources in a in a public art facility and and Barden had had captured some of those those moments so you know there there's a lot of state government work documented in addition to the the architecture and the the portraiture that Ian described so it's got a lot of uses and 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 we've seen it applied in a number of places from the state to to individual researchers and 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 builders does that mean that the whole collection is described and and documented absolutely not i think like a lot of commercial photographers oftentimes the the way that they labeled the the envelopes or or sleeves that they they kept their their negatives in may be a very vague kind of reference um and and Sometimes uh, those those sleeves that the negatives were transferred to the museum or transferred from the museum to the archives may have deteriorated to a point where we, we couldn't even we couldn't make that out or we don't know uh, we don't know who it who it is. In Barden's case, a, a lot of commercial photographers kept ledger books or some sort of indexing system, and if he kept that it did not come to the museum or come to the archive. And so we're heavily rely on the, on the material that, that the negatives have, have come in, but also we use the, the resources and, and the research abilities of, of staff uh, and volunteers. Um, Ian mentioned Carl Larson, a, a longtime volunteer who was a wealth of knowledge about about Raleigh, um, who his own father had worked for uh, the the Department of Archives and, and History, um, and then uh, Ian can can also tell you some of the specific examples of where he's done research to identify previously unidentified material, or in some cases because we've made these publicly available now on our Flickr site, other researchers uh, can go there and periodically they may identify or recognize something and contact us and share that information with us. That's a huge asset. Yeah, that's, that, that's tremendous. There's a lot to unpack there. So a lot of staff work and a lot of researchers coming in. And so you mentioned that Ian could mention, could bring us up some, some work that he's done. I don't know if you want to share that at this point, Ian. Well, Carl taught me a lot about Raleigh history. I'm also very interested in the history of Raleigh. He taught me a lot. I've done a lot of identification of unidentified negatives. One that Carl and I worked on together was a photograph that uh, had no identification, and it depicted a man standing in front of a pretty run-down log cabin structure. He's wearing his bright white apron. It's a great, great photo, wonderfully composed, but we really didn't have anything as far as, you know, a written identification. In the background of the photo, Carl and I immediately noticed the Sir Walter Hotel, so we knew it was taken in Raleigh. Um, And the Sir Walter Hotel was built in 1924, so we knew that it postdated that. And we looked closer at the photograph, and above the man is a sign that is barely legible that reads S.M. Jones and above S.M. Jones is a really crudely painted boot. So 
We went to the Raleigh City Directory for 19, I think we looked in 1925, and we found Sherman M. Jones, and he's listed as a cobbler at 212 East Davy Street, which matches up to where that photo would have been taken. So we pretty much surmised that that was S.M. Jones. To date the photo, we looked at a poster on the side of the building that was an advertisement for a, a Bessie Smith concert. She was a popular blues singer of the day. And on the bottom of the poster, it lists dates with days of the week. And as you know, you can figure out what year it was based on you know when the 3rd of August fell on this year. So we figured out that it was 1926 based on that. So that was a fun photograph to identify. Yeah, that's amazing detective work. I think that's terrific to think of the calendar. And I mean, it's an obvious thing, right? The days of the week, you know, you can pinpoint, but I'm not sure that everybody would have thought of it. And so that's a really cool and, and unique way of, of identifying this photograph. And so it seems pretty clear cut, this photograph. But how do you put it in the record, you know, something that you've surmised and added versus something that comes to you? How do you make that distinction or do you make that distinction? We would say that it's thought to be Sherman M. Jones. We definitely wouldn't say for sure that it's Sherman M. Jones. In that in that particular in that particular case, I mean, I think the the research is 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 strong enough, and the documentary proof and the other resources that that N found, where there's a high degree, uh, you know, of certainty that that we can des- we can describe it in in that fashion and and give it a a good estimated date range based on the advertisement that, that in, in found, um, in some cases, you, you know, it may, may not be quite as exact. Um, an example of that would be is I, I realized early in the pandemic, we were re- various researchers were interested in photographs of other pandemics in North Carolina and, uh, and, and how the state responded to that. And we don't have a, we don't have a whole lot, unfortunately, but I, I was aware of the material that we had in the Barden collection that showed the activities of the State Board of Health. Um, but oftentimes they're just labeled just that, State Board of Health. And the, the context uh, of the, the, the people that are pictured or the event is, is not always clear. One photo in particular that stuck out to me, uh, a group of African-American males mostly seated at a table, uh, and then another group of individuals sort of standing around and at a high resolution if we zoomed into it I think it displayed some posters of what were called uh, it was a, a portion of the the Board of Health that was called the Venereal Disease Institute that was really created to stamp out venereal diseases that was considered a major public health threat especially a wartime threat because it impacted both labor on the home front and military service uh, aged men. And in the photo was an individual who was also not identified who happened to be the head of the State Board of Health called Carl Reynolds. And Reynolds was a major force in the creation of the School of Public Health at UNC and really in, I would say, kind of the democratization of public health in North Carolina. He was a major advocate for not just public health for white Southerners, but also public health for black Southerners. And he made an effort to really kind of expand the reach 
of the department in an effort to ensure that everyone had had access to public health. And so that photo, at least in my mind, was pretty significant. And although I wasn't I wasn't actually sure of the exact date or or the exact conversation, there were enough clues where I can I could kind of say that this is some sort of a, a committee um, of this this division of the of the state board of health, and it's it's meeting with a group of what looked like African American physicians or possibly educators to to help uh, get out the message to help extend the department's public health efforts. Yeah, those are two terrific examples. Thank you for sharing both of them. And so these are two examples of things that either of you have done to do the research to kind of identify and describe something. What about photographs that have been kind of crowdsourced in their identification? Are there examples of that in this collection? We have had several uh, photographs of houses in Raleigh identified by people on our Flickr site, which has been really helpful. There are quite a few unidentified residences, photographs of unidentified residences in the collection. I've identified uh, many of them, but it's a it's a daunting undertaking to to figure out where some of those are. And some people on Flickr have been really helpful with that. That's terrific, yeah. And so at this point, I think I'm going to kind of ask you both: What's your favorite photo or photos from from this collection? I'll start. I'll just say that mine is somewhat more of a, a personal variety. I didn't I didn't grow up in Raleigh, but my great grandfather moved here in the in the 1930s from from Atlanta. And the business that he worked at on Hillsborough Street, it wasn't at Hillsborough Street initially, but during World War II, it built a new, it built a new um, kind of warehouse facility on Hillsborough Street and, and moved. And Barden photographed that new building and what was, it was probably sort of a promotional kind of a photo, I guess, to, to advertise the services. But there are quite a number of photographs of where he worked and that include him. And also the, the business had company picnics and, and he's pictured in some of those, those company picnics. So for me, I think it's some of the kind of personal, the personal material that I get a lens into what was Raleigh almost a hundred years ago and see, I did not, I didn't ever know him. I didn't, I knew, I knew my great grandmother, but I get a lens kind of into that world, which is very, very different. Uh, the Raleigh today than the Raleigh almost a hundred years ago. Yeah, that's no doubt. I'm sure it's quite different, but it's it, it's got to be nice to see a family member. Yeah, it's uh, it's you know, there are always a lot of good surprises, and I and I think too that's one of the I, I get a lot of enjoyment out of other researchers who 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 find, have similar finds. That's great. Yeah, and and Ian, what about you? What's your what's one of your favorites or several favorites? Uh, well, I, I think I have dozens of favorites, honestly, but there, there's a couple that I think listeners should definitely check out. One of my favorites that actually depicts Barden himself is one that he actually took. It shows him and his two sisters on either side of him, and if you look closer at the photograph, you can see his arm stretched out toward, toward the camera, and he's holding a cable release. And uh, so it's unique in that it depicts him and his sisters, but also in that it's actually depicting him taking the photo, which is I think is really interesting. The other one is one I discovered in that last batch of Bardens that I talked about earlier. It's a five by seven glass plate negative that depicts what initially appeared to be a group of city officials on some steps. I looked at the negative closer and it it depicts a group of people 
with yo-yos. They're all holding yo-yos. Uh, well, you know, yo-yos that have been extended. And they're seen on the steps of Raleigh City Hall. And it was such a unique image that I, that I looked into it a little bit further and pretty much definitively identified the individual on the far left. And he turned out to be a Filipino immigrant named Pedro Flores, who was solely responsible for the resurgence of the yo-yo in the 1920s. He, he held a patent for the improved design of the yo-yo which he sold to Donald Duncan in 1928. And Duncan, as many will recognize that name as being pretty much synonymous with yo-yos. But after he sold the company to Duncan, he had a lot of money and he had a lot of free time on his hands. So he went around the country promoting the yo-yo and holding contests and events. And given how popular the toy was, I think he was seen as sort of a celebrity in town, so he got his picture taken on the uh, steps of City Hall. With a bunch of other dignitaries, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's great. You know, Duncan, I mean, if you grew up in the 90s like I did, you, you know exactly who Duncan is. And Yeah. I should say, too, John, I'm a little bit of a, a baseball junkie, and there's some great kind of old baseball photos of uh, Devereux Meadow, which is an old baseball field that was close to the Capitol Boulevard, and... I enjoy those a lot too. That's great. And so it's just like a lot of city life. We've got we've got yo-yos, we've got baseball. We've got a selfie. Is that what I heard? This guy's taking a selfie 100 years yeah. ago? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is that common? Are we talking about selfies aren't a modern invention or 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 was he just kind of one-off visionary? I've seen it a number of times. It I don't think it's very common though. Okay. All right. All right, but you know, that's, it's not nothing new under the sun, huh? No. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So that's terrific. There's a lot of good stuff in this in this collection that we've talked about. A lot of you know human interest, a lot of sports, a lot of recreation, some serious things as well. Architecture. We're talking about. There's there's a such a breadth. I mean, we've talked about that at the beginning, and we continue to bring it up. I'm interested now. These are all physical materials, but you mentioned the Flickr site. That's a digital thing, obviously. So how did they get from being physical to being put on Flickr? And then are they all on Flickr? The head of our photo lab, Matt Weiner, scanned the entire collection, I believe it, around 2010. And it was put on Flickr some years after that. And the whole collection is there? A vast majority of the collection is on Flickr. So I think there, what would you say, Van, over 15,000 images on Flickr? Yeah, I think it has about 15,000 images. And there may be, you know, there might be an odd item here or there that, that did not make its way way up. But I think the, the bulk of it is, is is there for sure. And researchers can search Flickr by by clicking on, on, there's a magnifying glass on the page and typing in keywords, whether it's the name of a person or a city or a building. Um, and while the Barden collection is a, is a heavy orientation uh, toward toward the Raleigh and the Wake County area, it definitely also goes outside of of this area. You know, it's it's hard to say whether the, this was work that he was doing or if these were taken more in a in a personal variety, maybe a travel or or vacation. But I know that there are you know, there are quite a few kind of scenic scenic shots of the mountains, uh, and then also some of of kind of uh, creeks and swamplands or coastal areas of North Carolina. 
That's excellent. Yeah, I, I really appreciate that. And so this stuff is, you know, researchers can find it through Flickr, and that's probably the most convenient way to, to go through this collection. Or they can also visit our doc catalog, which is our, our, our catalog for the archives to search for particular photos and, and search the finding aid or the guide to the Albert Barden collection. Uh, which is a, a description of over 15,000 images. It's name searchable, and from that they can identify a, pr a particular number of the individual item, and they're welcome to call us or, or email us. We're happy to, to, to get them a copy or send them a link to the, the Flickr site. That's great. And so can, but how about the physical? Can, can somebody come in and say, I want to see the physical? They can. These are public records, and researchers can certainly come in and look at the original materials. We encourage people, um, not just because it's not because of the, some of the pandemic restrictions that have been in place, but we encourage researchers to, to call or email in advance to try to set up an appointment just to, to ensure that someone that we're available. And in some cases, uh, in particular for the glass plate negatives and, and, and original negatives, you know, we, we want to discourage the, the handling, the physical handling of those materials. And, and because they're digitally available now and we have high resolution scans of them, that just makes ease of, of access a little easier, but we also understand, you know, for people who there might be a, some sort of personal interest or there may be something they want to double check, there, there may be good reason to come in and, and look at the original. Absolutely. Yeah. And this collection, it, it sounds fascinating and there's quite a few connections back into the city of Raleigh, the county of Wake, and it's all kinds of, uh, and it's history. And it really shows what life was like throughout. And as we said, nothing new under the sun, people playing with yo-yos on city steps, have uh that's always been people always been looking for fun um so if there is there anything else you either you want to mention as part of this yeah i just wanted to add because i think it's kind of in the spirit of, of of albert barden that if you or your family know of someone who is a is a was a photographer or had a photo studio in north carolina or the documented north carolina we would love to speak to you and talk to you about having a permanent home for for those photographs and in keeping with the wishes of people like Albert Barden who have contributed to the documentary history of, of, of North Carolina. And you can reach out to NRI and call us or email us and, and we'd love to hear from you. Well, and I appreciate that plug. Thank you very much for both of your time. And, and you heard it from Van there. If you have photographs you want to, or you know a photographer that you want to connect us up with, please do. All right. Thank you both. Thank, thank you. you. This season of Connecting the Docs is created by staff members of the State Archives of North Carolina. Special thanks this week to our guests, Van Evans, Audiovisual Materials Archivist, and Ian Dunn, Processing Archivist. To our producer, Randon McRae, and to the voice you hear at the beginning and end of every podcast, Judy Allen Dodson. I'm your host, John Horan. Thanks for joining us this week on Connecting the Docs, Unprocessed. Make sure to visit our website, connectingthedocs.podbean.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or via RSS, so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. If you like this show, you might want to check out our blog, History for All the People at ncarchives.wordpress.com. For more news and information, please visit our website, 
archives.ncdcr.gov.